Good evening, everyone. This is the first time we've been back on a Sunday night for a sermon time in a couple of weeks. We've been in the book of Proverbs, and I have another lesson I want us to do from the book of Proverbs. We're going to talk about integrity. Uh, a lot of things we can talk about from this book, and we've been in this for quite some time. I put this on the screen. I like what John Maxwell, how he defines integrity as deciding to integrate my heart's value into my daily actions. That's integrity, that consistency. Jesus, when defending himself against the, his enemies, really the religious leaders, they were asking about his claim to be the Messiah. He said this in John chapter 10, verse 25. I did tell you, but you did not believe. The miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me. Note what Jesus is saying in this verse. What I say and what I do, they're the same. And they testify as to who I am. So a person of integrity is validated by their words and their actions. And the idea that they are together, that they're one and the same. That if we're pure in the heart, then we're going to have pure heart actions. They're going to follow each other. So integrity is making my daily actions line up with my heart's values. But I must understand and even want and appreciate the value of integrity. And I thought about this. I thought value is a hard thing to explain because we all see things differently. Think about a husband and wife who might value money differently. A wife may want to spend $100 on an expensive piece of clothing, but agree $100 is a lot of money. And the husband may think, that's way too much money. But that same man could go to a Cabela's or a Bass Pro Shop or a Lowe's and spend $100 like that because he values what he's buying. It's all a matter of what do you value. For you to pay the money, you have to see the value. Think about computers. You know, look at computers. The other day I went into the Apple store in the mall in Nashville, and you think of all those computers. They all look alike, but the price is very greatly. Why? Not just what you see on the outside, it's what the inside, the content, the specs, the speed, the RAM, all of that, that's what makes the difference. So integrity in a way is kind of like a computer. It's what's on the inside that counts. I want us to look at, if you're looking at your study guide for tonight, the benefits of integrity and then how do we go about making sure that we live that kind of life. What are the benefits of integrity? Number one, integrity provides me with protection. Most of these we're going to get from the book of Proverbs, but some from other verses. And the first is Psalm 25, verse 21. May integrity and uprightness protect me because my hope is in you. We may not think about integrity as protecting us, but it does. Think about Mark Twain's statement. He's credited as saying, speaking honestly is better it takes a lot of stress out of our lives. If you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. But if you don't tell the truth, you have to remember what you said. And we know that to be true, don't we? So in integrity, you have protection. You have less to fear. You have less to be concerned about. I have less stress because I have to worry. Just tell the truth. Just speak the truth. You have to look over your shoulder all the time. So it provides me with protection. Number two, it provides me with security. I have greater confidence. 
Proverbs 10.9 says, A man of integrity walks securely, but he who takes crooked paths will be found out. I can be confident to do what is right and that God's going to take care of me, that I'm going to be okay. Now, I may not prosper financially at all times, but God's going to take care of me. And if you walk with integrity, you don't have to worry about these things. You don't have to worry about having a shaky foundation because you don't. Because you're walking with the Lord. It prov- provides that firm foundation. Well, number three, integrity provides guidance to make better decisions. Look at it, Proverbs 11.3. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. So the more you study about integrity, the way it's used in Scripture, it offers several benefits. And if you live in a society without any moral absolutes, when people can choose what is right and wrong without having a standard, how do you decide what to do? How do you know how to act? How do you know what's right and wrong? Eventually, you get caught up in what Scripture calls duplicity. It comes back to bite you. But if you live in integrity, if you do what's right, the decisions are easier to make because integrity is guiding you. And then number four, integrity provides me with hope. Hope of future rewards. Look at Job 4, verse 6. This is from the English Standard Version. Is not your fear of God, your confidence, and the integrity of your ways, your hope? Hope for what? What's he talking about here? Hope that someday when I stand before God, I'm not going to be ashamed of how I lived. When I stand before God, I'm not going to be concerned about what He says to me. Because if I lived a life of integrity, I will be commended and not rebuked because of my lifestyle, because of my choice, because of my testimony to other people. But I must elevate myself to model that integrity. So how do you do it then? How do you model integrity? How do you live integrity? How do we read this in Scripture about integrity and make that a part of our life so that if somebody were describing us, one of the words that they would use is integrity. Let me suggest five things. Number one, ask God to test my heart. Ask God to test my heart. That's the best place to start. Start with God. How many of you had an EKG? You ever had one of those where they stick the little things on your chest? What do they do at EKG? It's kind of check out the condition of your heart. See how it's performing. See if there's any issues. What's the status of things? To find any potential problems. What we're talking about here, when you ask God, you're really asking for a spiritual EKG. God, check my heart. Let me know if there's some inconsistencies, some things I need to do, some things I need to change. David wrote at the end of his life, 1 Chronicles 29, 17, I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly with an honest intent, and now I've seen with joy how willingly your people are here have given to you. So God is blessed with integrity. He examines the heart to see if a person is full of integrity or, or compromise or duplicity. or They're not sure. But He sees it when it's there. What you believe in your heart will determine how you act every day. But especially in those tempting situations. I saw a story one time, and I can't remember what it was all about. It was one of those Dateline or, or 2020 shows. It was talking about weddings, and, and this particular one was about how they guard like the gift table. You know, We've all been to weddings where there's a gift table, and you might give a card with a check inside. Well, evidently, in some places, maybe you've been to weddings like this. I have not. 
that gift table actually is like a box becomes like a money box. We're talking like a lot of money. And what was happening in this story was that people were coming in acting like they were guests, and when nobody was looking, they'd grab the money box and hightail it out of there. Thousands of dollars. I thought, my goodness, kind of makes you want to get married again. You know, come to my wedding. We're talking 10, 12. And actually, listen to the story. This was a headline in the Daily Herald in Chicago. It dates back to 1996. But listen to this story. Fairy tale princess story turns sour after newlyweds lose money. This newlywed couple had left a black zippered case on the roof of their car as they sped away from the reception to begin their honeymoon. Do you know how much money was in that black bag? $12,000. That's a lot of money. They thought it was gone. By the time they reached their destination, it was gone. Two days later, same newspaper carried the headline related to the story. Finders keepers? Question mark. Finders keepers? Not all believe it. David Yai, Y-I, an unemployed suburban resident, found the black bag with $12,000 cash. In spite of mounting bills and a jobless situation, he didn't keep the money. He tracked down the couple, returned the full amount. When asked why he turned it in, he said, I guess it doesn't matter whether it's $50 or $1,000 or a million dollars, it doesn't belong to you. That's integrity. In fact, the newspaper did a little investigating. They discovered this same guy, David Yai, the year before had found $50 that wasn't his, and he turned that in as well. Well, it was $50 or $12,000. When he was offered jobs, he got publicity from this. When he was offered jobs, people heard, this kind of guy I want to hire, he said he only considered jobs he was qualified for. He felt that he offered a managerial position for which he was unequipped was dishonest. That's a man of integrity. See, you'll only be characterized by integrity if you demonstrate it, if you live it, if that's your life. That means having the right things in your heart, like not being greedy, whether it's $50 or $12,000. The fact is, integrity begins in the heart. So ask God to examine your heart, to show us what's questionable. David also said this, Psalm 26, verse 2, Test me, O Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind. Now that is a dangerous prayer to pray. But if you want integrity, that's where it begins. You start with God. So how does God show us what's questionable then? Well, one way is through the Bible. And that brings me to our next point. Study to know what is true. So ask God to examine your heart, and then you study the Scripture so you know what is true. Now, throughout the Bible, and I read from a couple different versions already, you'll see in your Bible's words like honesty, and purity, or truth, or blameless, or, or upright, or complete, and all of those, depending on the translations, you're talking about integrity. They're all synonymous. If, therefore, we're going to live lives of integrity, we've got to know what it looks like. And that comes to spending time in Scripture. What is right? 2 Timothy 2.15, you know this verse, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. You take time studying the Bible and applying the truth that we read because we know that's our standard. That's where we get our foundation. That's why we get it for sermons and for Bible classes and for whole Bible studies and all this because we want to know what the Bible says. 
We believe with our heart that the Bible has the answers for life's tough questions. It gives us the foundation for all of our answers. It helps us to know how do we respond to difficult times. It gives us practical truths that can make us successful in life. But you won't have that knowledge. You won't have that stability if you don't know the truth. If you don't search the Scriptures for yourself. Otherwise, you're like a a boat that's just tossed by the waves. That's the picture that Paul used, Ephesians 4.14 then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. See, it pays to read the instructions. Living a Christian life without reading the Bible, it just won't work, period. And then number three, you apply God's Word to your daily activities. You ask God for help. You study to know what's true. And then you make the daily application. Psalm 15, verses 1 and 2 of the New American Standard. David said, O Lord, who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell on your holy hill? He who walks with integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. Walking in integrity. That means integrating what God's Word says as you go about life. You're living it. You're walking it. You're breathing it. It means you become a doer of the Word. You know James 1.22? Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And the fact is, God's Word is pretty clear on its instructions. We know what we're supposed to do. Integrity means you do it. You live it. And you're consistent with it. And when we do that, then we have hope and guidance and security and protection, what we talked about. If we don't apply what the Bible says, then we don't have those things. And we're a fake. And our life is shallow and empty. And it's only a matter of time until we're found out. I read about a man in Texas who needed some same-day dry cleaning. He was about to take a trip, and he waited the last minute, and so he remembered there was one dry cleaner across town, one-hour dry cleaner. So he went across town, dropped off his suit. He was filling out the, the form, and he said, uh, the, he said, I need this in an hour. And the lady, the clerk there says, we can't get this to you until Thursday. He said, I thought this was, was one hour dry cleaner. He said, oh, that's just our name. That's just our name. We have to live up to who we say we are. And if we're Christians bearing the name of Christ and we don't have integrity, we're missing it. We're living contrary to what the Bible says. A person of integrity is the same on the inside as he is on the outside because he's making that application. And then number four, we remain faithful in spite of the circumstances at all times. You ever gone through one of those times, maybe a season where everything seems to be caving in and you just think, I can't take any... If one more thing goes wrong, I'm just going to lose it. You ever had those moments? I was talking with one of our sisters this morning. She's in that moment. She said something to that effect. I just don't know. Because I was commending her. I said, you seem to be doing well with all that's on you. She said, I'm just about to lose it. And what we need to know, what we need to hear at those times is, don't give up. That's when you need to keep on keeping on. Job was a man who went through an awful lot, but remained faithful. That's why we remember Job. That's what we appreciate about Job. Job 2, verse 3, the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? 
There is no one on earth like Him. He is blameless. That word is sometimes interpreted uh, with integrity, depending on your version. He's blameless and upright. A man who fears God and shuns evil. And he, means, he still maintains his integrity, though you incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. So in this passage, God commends Job for his character. You know what he says? He's blameless. He's upright. He fears God. He shuns evil. His character was stellar. He's an amazing man. And the fact that he kept his character intact despite Satan's best efforts to attack him, he lost his children. He lost his home. He lost all of his money, his wealth. He lost his own health. But amazingly, he never gave up on God. So when you're at that moment, when you feel like the world's crashing in and you're just caught, I can't take one more. If one more thing goes wrong, that's when you need the most to hang on, to renew your strength, to find a brother, find a sister in the Lord. And have them pray for you. Isaiah 40, 31 comes to mind. You know this verse. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So remain faithful to God, especially when times get tough. And then number five, refuse to be persuaded by others. Now this is not the most important, but it can be just as influential as the first four. Because we're human. And people talk to us. And we see things. News, media, television, advertising, social media. Refuse to be persuaded by others. Let me show you what I mean. Look at the screen. If you've been on social media, how many of you have seen this graphic? Any of you seen this? It's making it rounds. Compares two countries, similar population, Honduras and Switzerland. Honduras, according to this, bans citizens from owning guns, yet has the highest homicide rate in the world. Switzerland, in contrast, same population, requires citizens to own guns, has the lowest homicide rate in the world. Quite a compelling graphic. Except it's not completely true. And this is where you need to be careful what you read and what you take into. One source said there's a reason it's called Facebook and not Factbook. <laughs> Think about what you're reading. Yes, their populations are basically the same in number. And yes, Honduras does have the highest homicide rate. Switzerland's is low, but it's not the lowest. But Honduras does not ban guns. And Switzerland doesn't require guns of its citizens. My friend and missionary, you know him too, Jared Brown, has dual citizenship, both in the U.S. and Honduras. I remember going to Mission Lazarus, and they had armed guards there, so he's not against guns, okay? But he put a retraction out about this, uh, this graphic. He called it propaganda. He said this, in Honduras, anyone can own a gun. You're supposed to register it, but many people don't. There's no test required in order to register it. And in the rural mountain villages, an illegal AK-47 can be bought for as little as $100. And then he said this, Honduras has a high homicide rate, not because of killing people in churches, schools, universities, theaters, or shopping centers, but rather because of dangerous narco-traffickers and drug-trafficking gangs fighting. 
So there's some truth to this graphic, but there's a lot of untruth to it as well. So again, refuse to be persuaded by others. Check the facts. Be careful what you believe. Look at Mark 12, verse 14. They came to Jesus and said, Teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by men because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Job had three friends who were confident that they were right, but Job was wrong. You remember? And so they tried to convince him to repent of whatever he did wrong. Job knew better. If that wasn't enough, Job's wife got in on it as well. Job 2, verse 9 and 10. His wife said to him, Are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. He replied, You are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? And then in all of this, this astonishes me, in all of this, Job did not sin in what he said. We must not let others dictate what we do. They must never come between us and what is right and being a person of integrity. And to be a person of integrity means I must do what is right and sometimes refuse to be persuaded from others. We've all heard the phrase, everybody else is doing it. Hopefully we're old enough that we're not quoting that. But I dare say we still think it. Everybody else is doing it. Everybody else believes it. To a person of integrity, that means you go against the crowd, even if the crowd is wrong. That may mean your political party, if you've got one. It might be your church. It might be your family, if they're wrong. If you're a person of integrity, that means you're willing to go against the crowd, to stand alone. It means peer pressure has no pressure. You're standing on the truth. It's what God thinks that you think about and what you care about. Look at these last several verses. Job 8, verse 20, from the New American Standard. Lo, God will not reject a man of integrity, nor will He support the evildoers. The fact is that integrity has a much higher value than riches or fame. I think we studied this in our Better Than series of Proverbs. Proverbs 19, verse 1. Better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than he who is perverse in speech and is a fool. In 28, verse 6. Better is the poor who walks in his integrity than he who is crooked, though he be rich. But here's what I want you to take home. Integrity has to be worked at. You don't just decide one day, I'm going to be a person of integrity, and that sets it, and you're that way for the rest of your life. I think every day it's a decision. Look at Psalm 101, verse 2, from the New American Standard. I will walk within my house in the integrity of my heart. I put one last blank on your study guide. If it doesn't work at home, it doesn't work. If it doesn't work at home, it doesn't work. See, to be a person of integrity doesn't matter if it's $12,000 or fifty. If it's a big deal at work or if it's a small detail at home. Integrity is integrity. It's who you are. 
Let's close with prayer. God, I pray that You will open our hearts and allow us to understand what it means when we read in Your Word about integrity and how You regard that so highly. God, help us to also hold that up as our standard. We want to be consistent. We want You to be our standard and be able to ask You to test our hearts, to reveal according to Your truth what is true and what is false. Father, help us to be consistent in the way that we live. That we're a Christian, not just in name, but with our testimony, with our lives, with our example, with our influence. Father, we read in Your truth about protection and security and guidance and hope, all these things being a part of integrity. We want all of that. We need all of that. And I pray You'll help each of us to be people of integrity. We see that most when we look to Jesus, He was not swayed by people. He taught the truth. What was in His heart came out in His actions and the way He spoke. God, help us to be like Jesus. It's through Him we pray. Amen. Tonight, if we can pray for you specifically, or if you'd like to name the name of Jesus, let Him become your Savior. Let Him wash in you clean in baptism. We always have the water ready. Once you come as we stand and sing.